on. So, it's awesome. It's awesome. Do you, uh, what, what about the sound? I know we talked about that. Do you feel like it's, uh, do we need a dedicated person to a sound guy? I did. I skimmed through it. Days we'll be incorporating that. Oh, nice. I just got to get it. Um, do you want no, someone to come set it up to help you set uh, it up? Dave is my faithful companion. He's, uh, he's, Dave is he's pretty faithful. Here. Yeah, I'll bring it. He's uh, a faithful Israelite. Yeah, he's incredible. Uh, yeah, right. so again, right now, it's, it's I'm keeping it simple, kind of, yeah. just so we're, you know, not laden with. Right. But, but I'm trying to get quality, you know. Can someone... Um, can you commission someone on the team to do the QR code? You like that idea? Yeah, because because sometimes people forget their books. I, know, I saw I that know. people forgot their books. I know. And then we then we lose the books eventually. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, okay, so it just avoids a nuisance of having to collect books. And, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Because um, <laughs> like you only have a little bit of left, and people have them bring them home. No, I leave. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I I tell people keep them. Yeah, home. keep right. Yeah, and then they don't but, bring them to church. Yeah, yeah. But I have. Uh, Another batch at home, but okay, Gia, if you want to do the QR code, I'll, I'll maybe commission that. someone in the team, yeah, that has a little bit of time to do that. They can, I'll, I'll that enjoys, call, um, what's his name, and I'll, and I'll get it again from him. Has how to set that up, and, yeah, you know, it's a really neat idea because everyone, even visitors, can come in and get a QR yeah, code, yeah, 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 okay. They all have their phone, we all have their Everybody phones, has except that. for me. Nobody leaves that. My, right. phone, my phone is here, I need a dedicated <laughs> church phone here. Well, okay. you know most of the songs, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, guys. Recording, yeah, we're good. We're good. So, um, so chill. So this is this is.
Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. Thank you for attending the Shoreline Church. I want to encourage you to come on and find a seat. We're going to get started here. I want to say a hello and a good morning to our brothers and sisters and our friends who are online with us. It's great to have you here with us. Thank you for being online. At uh, this time, as we normally do, we are going to start with some meditation, some contemplation on our relationship with God. And at this time, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in a moment of silence. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning to worship, to sing, to learn from your written word, uh, your will for us, God, and what you're doing in our lives. God, we know you're working in the times where we feel you're with us, and we know you're especially working when the times we feel like you're nowhere around us. And God, it's, it's those dark moments, it's those, those dark nights, God, where you are doing your work, you're being our father. You're helping us through those times and we pray god that you'll refine us and mature us and help us to grow to be more and more of a reflection of you on this earth an embodiment of love where we can really love like you love and impact our worlds and impact our friends impact our relationships impact new relationships that we meet in parking lots in the gym wherever we go god there are people that you're sending to us help us to be aware and full of love as we meet them it's in jesus that we pray amen all righty uh there are books here if you want to uh join us singing or some of these you guys know the words so we're going to start with 209 209 can stand or sit, grab a book, come on Mike, sometimes I feel that I could fight it all, just me and you and there's no one to
705, don't you want to go? 705. Seven oh five. Don't you wanna go to that land? Don't you wanna go to that land? Don't you wanna go to that land where I'm bound? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm found? Nothing but love in that land. Nothing but love in that land. Nothing but love in that land where I'm found. Nothing but love in that land. Nothing but love in that land. Nothing but joy in that land. Good morning for those of us who are joining us on Zoom. There's many of you on there. I just want to welcome you. It's great to be together. It is a nice blue day to be in the park, to be uh, worshiping God, to be listening. You know, we've been talking a lot about relationships, and it is the preeminent reason why we're here on the earth, to have a relationship with the creator and also have a relationship with each other. Yeah. And there's this journey that we all take. I call the Christian life a journey. And our relationship with God matters. Our relationship with each other matters because relationship is the life source that God gives us. You know, we pray, we read our Bibles, and we learn about God and we share our feelings with God. And, and we learn a lot by doing that. And we see ourselves growing 
and we see ourselves learning. And at some point, we hit a wall yeah. or we're confronted by a wall. In other words, we get stuck spiritually. The ancients called this the dark, the dark night of the soul. You have those little pinches? The dark night of the soul. And failure to understand that results in long-term pain and confusion. But yet there's a gift that God gives us at the wall that transforms our lives forever. Look at me in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Here's a principle about this transformation. That's where, we're, where God is always trying to take us. We're, we're constantly being transformed into his image. We are his imagers. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that you may, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and complete or mature. There's this transformation process that we have an opportunity to go through. You know, I realize we're fragile creatures as humans. And that means that life is going to be hard. And life is going to be painful. And life is going to be anxiety provoking. And we need to set something against that. Something that's worthwhile. And that is our relationship with God. Transformation occurs at the dark night of the soul. It's a journey that God takes us on. There are moments when we start wondering, what is going on in here? What is happening with my life? And then we begin to doubt. And then some people just walk away from God altogether. It's the confusing in between. You're completely befuddled. And journey is, is a movement. Sometimes it starts. Sometimes it stops. Sometimes there's actions. Sometimes there's detours. Sometimes there's delays. And sometimes there's trips into the unknown. When God called Abraham to leave his past life in Mesopotamia and to go to the land of Canaan, God was taking him on a journey. When God called Moses from the burning bush to begin a new phase of his journey at the age of 80 years old, when God called the Israelites to leave Egypt and to embark on a 40-year journey of transformation in the desert, when God called Jeremiah to 40 years of difficult ministry work, standing firm on God's values in the midst of rebellious people living in Jerusalem. When God called, when Jesus called the 12 on a journey that would change their lives forever. One man, Judas, got disillusioned with the plan that God had. He got stuck. He couldn't imagine that Jesus was willing to surrender his ministry, surrender his authority to be crucified and disintegrate this amazing ministry. The plan of Jesus offended Judas and he got stuck. And eventually he quits. He quits Jesus altogether, resulting in one of the saddest accounts of a wasted opportunity. You ever talk to a brother or sister or a fellow Christian who's stuck? Ever see them 
come to church, miss church, and then drop out altogether. Now return phone calls, return texts. They're at the wall. They're at the dark night of the soul. And they're confused. What is happening? And tragically, we fail to see the larger picture that God is actually transforming us at the wall. Those difficult, difficult moments in our life. At the wall, there's disorientation. There's pain of the present circumstances that blind us to what God is up to. What most don't understand is that that growth into maturity that Jesus wants requires us to go through the wall if we want to mature and grow. We all know the stages of, of, of growth. One, and you remember this day when you became aware of God, like, whoa, God is real. Maybe you grew up in church and forgot about God for a while, and you came back to your senses like, wait a minute, God is real. I'm aware of his presence. And then you learn what it means to be a disciple, a Christian. You start learning the teachings of Jesus, and then you get baptized. And then you begin this root in your faith of reading your Bible and praying. And then thirdly, you start this active life. You get involved. I want to hand out communion. I want to teach the kids class. I want to hang out. I want to do something. You get active. You're serving God. You're serving his people. And then there's the wall you hit. It's the journey inward. It's God, most importantly, that brings us to this wall, which is necessary to go through. And when you come out through that wall, you're a different person. You're standing on newer ground. You're more centered in God. You rediscover God's profound, deep, accepting love for you. It just changes you. Yeah. And there's this inner stillness that happens. And lastly, you're transformed into love. You become the reflection of love for God. And then God sends you people, sends you events, sends you circumstances, sends you books to keep you going. And it's encapsulated in this principle. Look in your Bible in 1 John chapter 4. When you're transformed into love, look what it does. Look at the description of this. This transformation in 1 John, that's in the very back of your Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Look what it says here about being transformed into love. Love is what truly is the goal. There is no fear in love. Perfect, but perfect love or mature love or accomplished love or complete love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect or complete or accomplished in love i like to use the word seasons versus stages when of our christian walk but the reason why i like seasons is that we don't control seasons they happen to us Seasons come whether we like it or not. And so do walls. You're going to hit the wall numerous times in your journey, in your walk with God, in your relationship with God. You will hit walls. And, there's, and that's a good thing to hit the wall. 
And for us, though, a wall appears to us through a crisis that turns our world upside down. You ever been there? Yeah. Maybe you lost a job you really liked. Maybe you didn't get a promotion you should have deserved. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you lost a close friend or a close family member. Maybe you, you have a cancer diagnosis. Maybe you've had a disillusioning church experience. Maybe a betrayal. Maybe a shattered dream. Maybe a wayward child that you hope became a Christian but is far from a Christian. Maybe it's a car accident. Maybe you're regretful of your parenting style that you look back and go, man, I messed up. Maybe it's just a loss of joy. And this is where we question ourselves. This is where we question God, the church, the leader of the church. Hello. We discover for the first time that our faith is not working the way it's supposed to work. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying and it's not working. I have more questions than answers. I don't know where God is or what he's doing. How's he going to get me through this? When will this be over? And we hit that wall. You know, when I was younger, unfortunately, I saw people die in front of me. I was in seventh grade and a man had a heart attack on my way to school. He was coming out of his apartment and he went to the sidewalk and he, I saw him fall, hit his head and he laid there. And I just was, happened to be right there walking to school with my schoolmate. And I saw him take his last breath in seventh grade. I'm like, and I did nothing. I didn't know what to do. I just stood there watching him. The following year, I was leaving the church building of the school I went to and an elderly lady got hit by a car right outside the church. And I walked right outside and I saw her get hit and I saw her get stuck under the car. Mm. Horrifying. I ran straight home two blocks, I think in three seconds. I ran so fast. I was so scared. I had experiences in the military that were painful for me. All these times, I'm just putting that down deep inside into the anchors of my heart, never to come out again. I've been serving God in the ministry for now in full time as a minister for 23 years. I've been fatigued of late. Compassion fatigue, they call it. You get tired. And God took me to a wall where I, I, I was called to feel things and that was good, but it was also called not to worship my feelings either. There's a balance of feeling and there's a balance of not worshiping them. Because God may not be my feelings. So that's where, that's where my wall is. My pain. The confusing in between. Where is God? He's molding us. He's molding you. He's molding me. When there is no answer, God is doing his best work. When Abraham was told I was, he was going to have a son with Sarah, he hit the wall for 25 years being at the wall, being promised by God himself, I'm going to give you a son and not having a child for 25 years. 
Moses hit the wall. He wanted to help his people. He realized, these are my people. I want to help free them. And then he kills a man. And then he runs for his life. And he's away for 40 years at the wall, being a shepherd in the land of Midian. Elijah hit a wall after a great victory at Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal. He ran away. He turned away from his purpose of being a prophet to go hide in a cave down near Mount Sinai. <laughs> Nehemiah hit a wall while serving the king of Persia as a cupbearer, hearing that his city of, of God has been in ruins, and he was dismayed. What do we do? Jeremiah was at the wall. He was commissioned by God to be a prophet to Jerusalem for 40 years, and they never once changed. Paul hit a wall where he had a messenger of Satan on his side that was not going to be taken away. He was at the wall. Each of these men appear to have gone through the wall numerous times. And they made it to the other side. And so can we. You can make it through the wall. And when you make it through the wall, you're no longer worried about being successful. All you're worried about is doing God's will. You can taste what it means to be close to God in Jesus with the Holy Spirit. You feel it. And Paul describes this very feeling in Philippians chapter 4. Turn there with me. In verse 12, he describes this, this moment after going through the walls. Look what he says after the tormenting of Satan by his side, the messenger. He asked God to take it away, and God goes, no, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect when you're at the wall. That's when my power is on full display. And Paul writes this to the Philippian church. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in wants, I can do all things through him who has given me strength. He talks like a man who's been at the dark night of the wall. He talks like a man who's been through the wall several times and has come out more mature every time. He sounds like a man who allowed God to reform him, reshape him, refine him. But too many of us, when we're at the wall, and we don't see God, and we don't hear God, and God is quiet, and God is silent, we walk away, and we miss it. We miss the moment to grow, because it got hard, because we're fragile, and life is going to be hard, and life is going to be difficult, and you will face crisis after crisis in your life, but you're at the wall, and God is there with you at the wall. Don't let your brothers and sisters walk away. Remind them. It's a good thing you're at the wall. We all go through the wall numerous times. Been a Christian almost 30 years. There's more walls to come and more growing to be done. And being stuck at the wall is being, you feel stagnant. You feel like I'm no longer going forward with God's purpose. And people react differently when they're, at, when they're at the stagnant stage. 
Ever felt stagnant? Ever felt dry? People react differently to it. Some people hide behind their faith to flee the pain. They become hyper-religious. They turn to religion and not relationship. They hide it. They're always clapping. Victory in Jesus. I got to make sure people know I'm strong. I'm not, I'm not hurting. I'm not weak. God is good. And they're, they're becoming religion. And they're missing relationship. And they get hyper-religious. To keep showing and demonstrating to the weaker members of the church that their faith is strong. The problem with that is emotionally healthy faith admits things like this. I am totally bewildered. I feel totally lost. I don't know what God is doing. I'm hurting. I feel angry. I feel like this is a mystery that can't be solved. I'm very sad right now. If you don't believe me, look in Psalm 22. I'm going to show you a healthy spiritual faith in psalms 22 and verse 1 king david utters these words and they're astonishing because when you want to hide hide behind religion you miss relationship you miss it it's religion is what killed jesus religion is what kills your relationship with god look in psalm 22 you might find these words familiar in verse 1, this is David, the king of Israel, the leader of the people. He's in charge. He's the minister. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? He got ran out of his kingdom by his own son. So far from my cries of anguish. You are so far, God, from me. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. You've forsaken me, and I'm the king. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. Because God does his greatest work in the dark. In your wall and in your darkness, he's going to do the greatest work. By night, I find no rest. These are the words that David spoke. You know who else spoke them? Jesus on the cross. The, the author of our faith is emotionally healthy faith, expressing out loud to people, to the weaker members, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? That is real faith. That is a real relationship. David spoke these words, and so did Jesus. It's healthy and it's good. And a lack of understanding of the wall is a major reason why people start out well, but they don't finish. They become Christians, they become disciples, and they don't finish the race because the wall hits them. And you know people right now, some of your friends are not coming to church right now because they're at the wall. And the Bible encourages all of us to make sure that you go help them. Let them know they're at the wall because they're dismayed and confused. And they're asking, where's God? And they're pulling away from your friendships. Don't let them. 
They're at the wall, and you've been at that wall. Especially if you've gone through the wall, you know the wall. But I've been reading my Bible and praying, and it's not working. I pray every day. And it's not working. Because we can't see God doing something in our lives. And we feel the darkness. We feel the helplessness. We feel the defeat. We feel the emptiness that descends upon us. We feel it. Where is God? What's happening? And the Bible describes God as the gardener and we're the vine. I like being in my backyard. I like trimming things. I cut things in seasons. Like I, I almost killed my rose bushes, but then my neighbor goes, don't worry, they're more, much more forgiving. Because I cut them down too much. But I was cutting and clipping and cutting because I want to see fruit. I want to see beautiful things in the springtime. And God is the gardener. And God may be purging things from your life that are idolatrous. He may be purging your affections and passions that, for things that take you away from him. And God may be purging those things from you. God wants us free from unhealthy attachments. And idolatries of the world. I'll give you seven deadly spiritual imperfections or sins that God may be purging. One is pride. Our pride. God may be purging you from your pride. Pride, people have pride, have a tendency to condemn and become impatient with faults. And they're very selective in who can teach them. They're very selective. If I don't respect your Christianity, there's no way you can help me. That's pride. Because God one time sent a donkey to help somebody. Remember that story in the Bible, the donkey spoke? Because I don't respect your Christianity, you can't possibly help me, pride. And some of us are in that boat. We're very selective on who can help us. That's pride. And God will purge that from you. Number two is an unhealthy desire to accumulate and gain things. You're not content. You're always like, you're reading but not praying. You're, you're studying and watching videos, but you're not praying. You're not leaning into God. You never have enough learning, but you're not poor in spirit. No, you're missing it. A third one is luxury. You take more pleasure in God's spiritual blessings than, rather than God himself. Like we love the blessings more, right? Living in America, that's a big one for us. Four is wrath. You're easily irritated, lacking sweetness, having little patience to wait on God. I want it now, God. Five, spiritual gluttony. You resist the cross and you choose pleasures. Instant gratification. Remember your kids? Remember when your kids, kids were little? You, I used to put this little chocolate out here. You can take this chocolate now. You have the chocolate bar if you wait 15 minutes. I did that test with my kids. Have it now. They can wait. What are kids going to do? I want it now. It's the chocolate bar. Could have had it. Spiritual envy. Always comparing yourself to others. 
always comparing. And number seven, the sloth. They run from that which is hard. Their aim is spiritual sweetness and good feelings constantly, and they avoid things that are sometimes difficult. In my earlier lesson in the, in the series, I talked a lot about the critical importance about paying attention to your feelings. The dark nights at the wall protect us from worshiping our feelings. Feelings can be very idolatrous, and it's very common for any of us to fall into that. I know I can. It's a human tendency to become attached to our feelings of and about God, mistaking them for God himself. Feelings are just a messenger from God. They're not God himself. Sometimes you feel God puts things on your heart and feel things. God is sending you a little message for something he wants you to do. They're not necessarily God himself. They're little messengers. And in addition to God purging our will and understanding the deadly sins that I just mentioned, God also adds something to our souls when we're at the wall. He gives us something at the wall. He mysteriously infuses his love into us. Look with me in James chapter 1. We're going to close out here. God mysteriously infuses love into us. He, he invades us when we persevere patiently through suffering. God gives us something. He gives us the gift at the wall, at the dark night of the soul, when you feel helpless and bewildered and dismayed and confused. And you're ready to walk away. He says, if you persevere, he puts himself in you. He says in verse 2 of James 1, consider it pure joy. And you're like, when you read that, you're like, what? Whenever I face trials, how can you like that? Well, if you understand what God is doing, you'll get excited about it. You know, I read that scripture, but didn't really understand. Like, how do you get fired up when you're miserable? How can, I get, how can I get excited about going to church when I'm in a crisis? When you're at the wall. This is where God does his work. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let's Perseverance, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That word in Greek, not lacking anything, carries the notion that God is imparting and infusing something of his character into you in the process of difficulties and severe trial. God is giving a piece of himself into you when you're at the wall, the dark night of the soul. God is going to give you, and it's the same thing in Romans 5. He infuses a stronger character, a more mature character, and you come out more, more in love with God than ever before. 
It's in those quiet nights that you think he's gone, that he's really there. You ever see that picture sometimes in online or Instagram or at the store sometimes? And there's like a little poem. The guy's like, I was walking, Jesus, I was walking beside you all my life. And there was a time where the footprints, it was just me. I, my, my prints were gone. I didn't see you there. You were, you were missing. And there's only one set of footprints. Yeah. And then it says, that's because I was carrying you. And those, that's the understanding when you're at the crisis point. And our great temptation is to quit, to go backwards. But if we remain still, if we listen to his voice, God will insert something of himself into our character that will mark the rest of our journey with him. He'll take us through the wall. Next week, I'm going to talk about this again in my part two. Let's pray together for our community. Amen. God, thank you so much for being there in the moments where we think you've forsaken us. You've abandoned us. You're not there. We don't hear you. God, thank you for being there with us. We ask, God, that you would continually to put a piece of you into us, God. Our hearts of perseverance, of character, which produces hope. And God, we're so thankful to remember Jesus and to have a relationship, God, with you. God, that we can put away religion and have a relationship. We can go on the journey that transforms us into love. Help us be your hands and your feet on this earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
contribution or weekly giving in God's honor. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this uh, awesome time to give uh, to you, God, to honor you. Thank you for the church that we support. Uh, let it be a light to the world, God, a light of love, a light of encouragement. Uh, we ask, God, that you would bring people into our lives that are seeking you, that you would give us these divine appointments like the one I had yesterday in the parking lot. God, that you set up these divine appointments for us to meet and engage and encourage and love. Help us to be that. Help us to be that church for our community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can give through our website, shorelinecoc.com. There's a give button on the, on the homepage. Click there. It'll set you up for a one-time or a recurring contribution. Well, I'm really excited. We have a few uh, events and announcements coming up right now. Um, if you look around over here, we have Isabel Alvello, who is serving in our children's ministry. We have just hired her to be our event coordinator, as well as working with our children's classes and uh, being paid to do that. So what we realize is sometimes we wear out our volunteers, and we wanted to thank her for all the things that she's been doing. And She's actually helping plan a lot of different events for our church to bring more family and also to reach out to our community. And uh, our first upcoming event that's coming up is May 14th for our women. We're having a women's afternoon tea. It's at one o'clock and it's gonna be at my house. And if you don't know where that's at, you can go on our website at www.shorelinecoc.com slash events. Uh, it'll have all the information there as well as a sign-up list as to what to bring. The cost is $10 and that's just to help cover just small little costs. We have Miyoke Spencer who is a certified marriage and family therapist and she's going to be sharing with us how to be still. Right now in our life we got a lot going on and I wanted to read this to you. Peace is a quality of life we all crave. We want it in our homes, our school, our friendships, our workplaces, and in our marriages. Yet despite our best efforts, tranquility is so often out of our reach. There are voices speaking to us from within and voices speaking around us demanding our energy and attention. Join us as we learn the value of being still before the Lord. So 
for all you women here, I want to invite you to my home on the 14th. It's going to be a great relaxing day. We're going to have great food, tea, and just a time of how, learning how to be still. And then another thing I wanted to share is we also hired Jenica Urig. She's over there with the teen class over there. She was actually singing up here with her long blonde hair uh, for our social media ministry. She's going to help uh, bring us up to date. She's going to help me with the YouTube videos with our church and all the different things so we could be up to date with all our messages and all the things like that and have a social media presence so that we can reach out to people in our community and in the, young, the younger generation, that's what they look at is YouTube, Instagram, and she's gonna really just put us out there for our church. So just wanted to let you know, they were just hired today, today, May 1st, and third right. day. So uh, congratulate them and welcome them in. And that's all I have to say. Thank you so much. Yes. Hires are great. It's your contribution that does that. Yeah. That's the infrastructure. So if you're if you're partly giving, halfway giving, not giving, please give. Because we need to build up our infrastructure to have it in place so we can be the light, the church, and grow. Yeah. We want more and more people to become disciples. That concludes our service. Please enjoy this amazing fellowship, guys. Thank you. All right. Hey everybody. Okay, so you heard. You heard the lesson about the wall, the dark night of the soul. I'm just going to fix this real quick. The dark night of the soul. That's what the ancients called it. It's, it's, the, it's the moment where you hit that wall and you are, where is God? What is happening? What is going on? And it's in those moments that transformation happens. And, and so many people leave. So many people walk away. So many people get disillusioned and bewildered. Just like David did in Psalm 22, where are you? Just like Jesus on the cross, where are you? You might be forsaken. So there's a lot there. And I hope that will help you when you hit those difficult times, those difficult walls. And you're going to have numerous of them, numerous times, numerous walls. And that's good. And that's supposed to happen because God gives you perseverance and character and faith and hope through those times. So just wanted to thank you for being with us. Thank you for supporting our church. You can always give to our church through shorelinecoc.com. Um, hit the give button, donate, help us to grow, help us to have a great infrastructure for our church to really prosper and do well. So thank you for all, all your help and support. And uh, we love you guys. And we hope that you guys had a great, great service here with us. And we'll see you next week. And hopefully that, that really helps. Uh, I just want to see who's on here. I don't have me see here. Sorry, I'm gonna. Thank you, Jill. Okay. Stop.